The Marlins are going for a UK-friendly silly start, noon start for those watching in Florida on Eastern Time. But can the Marlins finally get a sweep done all over to Brian Hoeing today? Uh, Ryan Schlesinger joins me on Locked On Marlins today to preview this game, but also look back on an absolute wild game in yesterday's evening game, all on today's show. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast and it is a Sunday. It's a bonus episode on a Sunday, but there is a sweep opportunity. So it felt like a great time for a podcast. You are listening to the pod. Hit subscribe, of course, as you know, it's available free and everywhere. And it is your team every day. There is a YouTube channel. Head over to there and hit subscribe also. And if you're an everyday, leave a comment. Let me know you are listening. Lee appreciate it. I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins. Okay. This episode is sponsored by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And as mentioned, Ryan Schlesinger is in the house. Ryan, how we doing, brother? Doing good. I'm ready to discuss some Marlins baseball, you know. Two good wins, two one-run wins, a walk-off win, and then a save for Tanner Scott. I was at the game yesterday, and I'll be uh, listening from home today because I'm not going to pay for Peacock just to watch one game. But I'll be listening to Kyle Seeloff on the radio today, and I'm ready to try and get the first sweep of the season. We've had opportunities. We have not completed it. Let's complete our first sweep today. Yeah, how confident are you feeling with Brian Hoeing going on the, uh, on the mound for the Marlins? Well, you know... I could feel somewhat confident in some games against the Cubs. You know, they haven't been uh, too great against us. Stroman had a good outing against us on Friday. Mm. And then that guy for the Cubs yesterday, he was making his debut, uh, Killian. He was not good. No. And he had five runs in the first inning. That was just crazy. And some people were like, he's throwing at their head. You know, get him out of here. He's going to kill some players. But uh, <laughs> anyways... Today, we're facing Steele for the Cubs, and he has a 4-0 record, 29 strikeouts, and a 1.19 ERA. So Justin Steele has been great, the 27-year-old lefty for the Cubs. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Marlins can do against him and try and hand him his first loss of the season. I'm not a big loss guy. Wins, mm -hmm. loss, doesn't really matter to me. I think it's kind of an old stat, but it is interesting that he has not... Uh, been credited for a loss this season and hopefully we can give him his first today and hopefully the Marlins can complete this sweep and hopefully Hoeing could prove that he can do something after the start against the Braves he had a couple good innings but overall it was not great yeah tough ask for Braves and, and to be honest with you it's a tough ask again against the Cubs the Cubs offense has been has been one of the better offenses in, in Major League Baseball so for Brian Hoeing it's you know some big tests but, you know, there's an opportunity there for hoeing. Like, you know, we're uncertain about Johnny Cueto's status. We're uncertain about Trevor Rogers' status. Um, you know, we we need Brian Hoeing to step up. And really, the way things have been going uh, in the past, you know, 10 days or so, we need some depth out of Brian Hoeing. The bullpen last night was, was asked to do a lot. 
Obviously, Floro and Puck were down. We'll talk about the way the game ended uh, a bit later on. But really, for me, for Brian Hoeing, it's all about can he just give some length and get deep into the game? Five or more innings, I think, would be ideal. And obviously, if they can keep themselves in the game, um, even better. But yeah, for me, that's the main the main thing I'm looking at from Hoeing is just how deep he can go into the game. Tough assignment for him. But um, yesterday's game, boy, oh boy, it was a, a funky one, as you mentioned. Both started in the early going. Um, it felt like the Marlins could you know, put up a 10 spot, to be honest with you, in that first inning. The pitcher just completely lost it. So you were there at the ballpark. Um, firstly, a lot of cubbies in the, in the ballpark last night, which I guess kind of added to it, right? Because it was a kind of back and forth game. So in many ways, you'd love to just hear you know, home fans and that's all you could hear. But actually having two sets of quite vocal fans, both in the same ballpark, probably created quite a nice atmosphere, I'd say. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I mean, I'd say probably 70 to 80% of the fans there, at least in my section, mm. were Cubs fans. I was uh, sitting near the right field foul pole. And, yeah, there were a ton of Cubs fans. But it felt crazy because there were a lot of times when the Cubs fans, they got loud. You know, they were on their feet for the pitch, and then something would happen. And usually it didn't go their way when they had runners on. And, mm. uh, you know, they put their hands on their head, especially – uh, when they hit that fly ball to deep left field, and I thought that could have gone out. It was with the bases loaded, a chance to tie the game with a grand slam, and De La Cruz caught it at the warning track, and then they ended up doubling up the runner over at second, Eric Hosmer, uh, mm. to get the out in between second and third to end the inning after uh, what could have possibly lost the game for the Marlins or at least put the Cubs right back in it, and they only ended up scoring one run on that. Yeah, but, big play. Yeah, it was... It was crazy, and um, I'd like some more Marlins fans to come out, but at the same time, there were some Marlins fans, and it was fun to see the Cubs fans get silenced after the Marlins do something to get themselves out of a, uh, a really scary situation. Yeah. It's going to be really intriguing, right? Because the Marlins, they had a real tough schedule to, to open up. They've started well, in my opinion. They've probably overperformed, in, in all honesty. A couple of games over 500 with who they've had to play. If you take out the N the NL East uh, series, they've, they've won every other series. So they're playing good ball. The Heat are obviously the talk of the town right now. The, the Panthers as well. So it's going to be interesting, right, where as those sports start to tail off, you know, are the Marlins going to be genuinely in the hunt, playing fun baseball and... Is there going to be an influx, maybe, of fans back to the ballpark? I don't. Maybe you know they're not going to be packing it out through the week, but I'm really intrigued to see if this Marlins team and the way they're playing the game can actually, you know, just catch everyone's attention and think, "Hey, I'm going to go down." I know you know tickets are cheap, and you know it isn't the most expensive um, ballpark to go to. So hopefully, you get their wish there out more with home fans. But talk to you about Edward Cabrera yesterday because we've been waiting for Eddie. And I wouldn't say it was all, everything was clicking. The walks were still there and he, he walked himself into a, a big jam in the second inning. But, you know, for me, the 12 strikeouts, a career strikeout day, but, you know, by some actually, I think his previous high was nine. So to get 12 on the day, you know, Edward Cabrera, the Marlins really need him to, to find his groove. And I think this just shows what is there, what, what talent is there for Edward Cabrera. If he could just find this command, if he could just, have the confidence to throw strikes. There's another level or two I think Edward Cabrera could go up to, though, right? Yeah, and, you know, it kind of felt weird, though, because there were still five walks. There were a lot of times where uh, there were two innings, especially, where 
he was in a big jam and somehow he got out of it when there was runners in scoring position. Mm. So it could have been a lot worse for Edward Cabrera. It could have been better without the walks, though. It was a very interesting start, I think. But yep. he only ended up giving up two earned runs and both of those runs coming on that Patrick Wisdom shot, which was his 10th home run of the season. That was a bomb Huge. to left center field. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy, too, that Patrick Wisdom, who doesn't really get talked about too much, he's not talked about as a elite player or a high-quality player, mm. at least uh, from a non-Cubs fan or NL Central fan perspective. But he is raking this year with 10 homers, way more than anyone on the Marlins has. Jorge yeah. Soler leading the team with five, so he has double that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty crazy, though. Dangerous as well, right? Yeah, but it is pretty crazy that Cabrera got the 12 strikeouts because, you know, with all the base runners he gave up, uh, with all those walks, and, you know, he gave up three hits, which isn't bad at all. But uh, it felt like he wasn't doing that good. And then I saw the final line, or at least towards the end of the game, I was looking at his stats, and I'm like, wow, he actually has that many strikeouts. And it's the yeah. first time in his career that he's gotten uh, double digits or more, or mm. more than 10 uh, yeah. strikeouts in a game. A huge stepping stone for Edward Cabrera, and again, he continues to show Marlins fans that if he had better command, he would be an incredible pitcher. Definitely. I do wonder. It, it's funny, right? He, he comes alive when runners on uh, are actually on base, and that's an interesting Eddie was sitting there watching him and thinking, just throw strikes, just trust your stuff. Like, kind of a bit like the message to Jesus Lazardo when, when he joined the Marlins. It was like, listen, your stuff plays. Trust it. And it's almost like, when there's runners on base, Eddie thinks, okay, I haven't got anywhere to walk him to now. It's I'm, it's go zone in the strike zone. So I'm really intrigued to see the way that uh, Eddie's season progresses. The main thing thus far, we're a month into the year, no injury issues for Edward Cabrera. For me, he's always been, once he gets a little taste of stuff, there's these niggles that start to you know occur for him, a little knee issue, or an ankle, something. But thus far, a month through, the walks have been a, a touch concerning, but overall... The stuff plays, and the health is also holding firm as well, which is is encouraging to see. Um, want to talk about the bullpen as well because the bullpen was asked to hold on in the end yesterday. It was it was literally holding on. Tanner Scott asked to come in to save his second game, which was which was fun. And actually, Tanner Scott has has flashed in that role. Uh, the the couple of been asked to do it, but before we do that, talk about our good friends over at Game Time. They are the sponsor of the show, and they're also. Uh, one of the main, one of the main uh, advertisers for this one. First ad of the day. And if you are buying tickets, uh, they shouldn't be stressful. If you're buying tickets for your favorite events, it shouldn't be a, a stressful thing. And with game time, it's fast and easy to buy all the tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guaranteed. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun You'll have. Sounds good to me. Um, you can snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On MLB for twenty bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, sounds good. We might need those for. Uh... For today's game, who knows? I mean, it's noon start. That is an interesting time. Uh, it's very early. It's even. It's almost too early for me in the UK. So that's kind of really testing it. Uh, Ryan, though, the bullpen, as we mentioned yesterday, Matt Barnes was brought into leverage. It was a bit of a sticky a sticky outing for Nardi and O'Kurt. O'Kurt has looked a touch rusty, to be honest with you. Uh, but Nardi um, just didn't have anything yesterday. It was a real tough outing for Nardi. But 
Brazaban sandwiched in between those two guys that struggles. Just talked about Brazaban this year. Like he's kind of flying under the radar a touch. Not the sexiest name, but it feels like Braz, he comes in, he just puts fires out. Really impressive thus far for Brazaban. Yeah, Oscar Brazaban, he's been a good cleanup man, if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, if a guy has inherited one, two, or even three base runners and the bases are loaded or something like that, he comes in and he really saves the Marlins. And I really like him in that role, you know. Mm. Uh, if the Marlins bullpen starts to get a little uh, shorthanded with injuries, which we haven't really seen too much. I mean, the only notable guy on the IL right now from the bullpen, now that Okert is back, uh, we kind of swapped Okert with Shagwa, but eventually he will come back, hopefully pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And Because he was off to a great start, and he looked like a guy who could be a great seventh-inning man behind Floro yeah. and Puck, or even in the eighth-inning role, you know, maybe they would even end up down the line, giving him some Sado opportunities if, you know, Puck wasn't available or anything like that. But, yeah, I think Brazabon's going to get his chance to show what he can do in really high leverage situations because he's been middle relief so far, but he's been really good at what he's been uh, doing and where he's been put into. So I'm very impressed with Brazabon. And even though the Marlins bullpen, you know, you've been saying this line a lot, especially with A.J. Puck, they've been nails this season. Mm. But, uh you know, some guys aren't going to have their best outing. And today, uh, Nardi and Oker did not have their best stuff. They didn't have their best appearances. And yep. Brazobon was able to kind of clean it up and avoid the Marlins from blowing that 5-0 lead at one point. They were up by four runs for most of the game, too. Yeah, for sure. Braz, Braz really kind of dug in there with those two innings. Like, it was essential because, obviously, Nardi came in and, and didn't get an out. Nardi. So everything went wonky for him. Bellinger with the bomb against him, which was a huge bomb as well. Um, and then Okut really struggled as well. Matt Barnes came in, kind of tidied that up a touch. Uh, and then it was over to, to Tanner Scott. And listen, Tanner Scott, the two appearances, both in save situations this year for me, have been by far his best outings. So Tanner Scott, you know, all of a sudden when the heat comes on for him, a bit like, a bit like Eddie Cabrera when there's runners on base, this year, Tanner Scott in the ninth, the highest of highest leverage spots, he's coming alive. But it's so important for the Marlins to have, you know, playing in these like tight games, you know, one run games. It's essential that they have other guys they can lean on apart from AJ Puck and Dylan Floro. It looks like Tanner Scott's going to be that third guy right now, particularly, you know, it's kind of matchup based, obviously, uh, him being a lefty. But yesterday, and how nervous were you as well with Tanner Scott walking out with that save opportunity? Yeah, well, I mean, I got nervous because, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Because usually when Tanner Scott comes in, he gives my dad and I a heart attack. And uh, (laughs) especially what gives us a heart attack is when he comes into the game and he immediately throws two or three balls and then ends up walking the first hitter. And when they have that leadoff man on with no outs, that is like the scariest thing. But Tanner Scott came into the game and he immediately got an out. Then he gave up a hit, so there was one-on-one out, say a Suzuki got a single, and then he struck out two in a row to end the game. And, Scott, the numbers haven't been there, which, surprisingly, I didn't even realize that. Uh, The numbers are at 5.73. That's his ERA this season in 11 Mm -hmm. games, so it hasn't been great statistically, but Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, in some of the higher leverage situations for Tanner Scott, he's been good, which is why I probably don't realize that his numbers are not good because Mm -hmm. I don't really – I might have turned off the game when he's pitching in those, uh, you know, inning when he's yeah. eating up innings. I might have not even noticed that, but when it matters, I think he's been good this season. He had one bad outing uh, that I really remember from opening weekend. But again, Tanner Scott, we've always known he has great stuff. He throws pretty fast, but 
The problem is, can he throw strikes? He's pretty much the relief pitching version of Edward Cabrera. And this year, he's been better at throwing strikes consistently. And he's been much improved, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? what is much improved, as we as we talked about, and I've, I've talked about, and everyone's talking about, the bullpen in general as a whole is better. But I think the key difference for me looking at it is, you go back to last year, uh, Flora was hurt starting, you know, going into the year. They had no guys with any closing experience ever. And so, you know, Tony Bender was kind of thrust into the role. She got Puck that's had experience. Floro, Tanner Scott, Junies last year, plus Matt Barnes. They've got four guys that have been the closer for a period with their club. And that, for me, is the difference in the highest leverage spots. This pen can deliver no matter who's going. And so that that's the beauty of this pen and why it's so better. A 9-0 and in one Run games, Ryan. I mean, this this is insane. This is legendary from the Marlins. Is right? Yeah, the Marlins are currently the only team to be undefeated in one-run games, and this is something that you could not expect. If I was to tell you during the middle of last season, down the stretch, you know, let's say it was during uh, when we were probably at our lowest point, I'd say right after the All-Star break, we were losing a ton of games, and the whole yeah. squad was banged up, and we were calling up a ton of random relievers uh, twice a week who nobody knew. <laughs> Uh, just calling them up and giving them a chance. But if I was to tell you at that time that the Marlins would be 9-0 and in one-run games during the first month of the next season, mm. you would not believe me. You would 100% not believe me. But that's been the case. The Marlins are surprising everyone. I think this should be talked about on a national level. But instead of people being impressed by the Marlins uh, winning nine one-run games and not losing any of them, more people who don't follow the Marlins closely, like some of my friends on Twitter who are fans of other teams, they're like, oh, the Marlins have won all these run, these one-run games. This is not sustainable. Their run differential is terrible. Mm. But the Marlins are starting to make people think that maybe it is sustainable. Maybe the bullpen will continue to impress and lock down teams when they're only up by one run or come back, come behind and end up winning by one run and close it out. Yeah. I think that's been the, what you mentioned there, and we're going to segue into the offense shortly. But that, that's been the other hallmark of this year thus far is like the offense is never dead. Like they do come alive in the back end of games. And there's been multiple times where they've come from behind, taken the lead, and then they hand it over to the pen, one of the closers, and uh, and they can make it happen. Uh, before, so let's talk about the offense after the next ad. Uh, there's tons to get into, mate, because overall... You know, Jazz Chisholm Jr. certainly is is really starting to heat up. Luis Arias continues to be an absolute stud uh, at the top of that order, in the middle of the order as well. Plus, also, we're seeing some green shoots of recovery as well from Jesus Sanchez. So, it's looking impressive. Uh, we'll dig into those guys. But before we do that, it's time to let you know about our good friends over at Ultimate Baseball GM. Yes, sir. Let's get these graphics up as well. I mean, it'd be rude not to. There's a QR code as well for those um, that are watching and uh, we've been taught about this one for a while now, guys. It's the coolest game I've played in a long time. And I've always thought I could be a, a Major League uh, GM. And as it turns out, I'm not that good at it, based on this game anyway. Um, the game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading a franchise and fans to glory. Uh, in the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finance, managing all those personalities in the clubhouse, and navigating your franchise through free agency or the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free. It is a free game. Unbelievable scenes. And it's playable offline. So you can play on the go as you want, when you want to. 
Locked On Marlins listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code on the screen uh, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Automate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. All right. You need to get that one downloaded, Ryan. You'll enjoy that game for sure. Yeah, I just downloaded it. I'm starting it right now. There we go. <laughs> yes, sir. Use the promo code as well. Don't forget yes, that. Get your free boost. Um, talking about the offense, mate. For me, as you know, I've been uh, heavily tracking Jazz Chisholm Jr.'s performance this year. I had high projections for him. And I must see he's transitioned back up to the leadoff spot. I know he's sitting in the six hole today because the lefty's going. But for me, Jazz came on Twitter, uh, you know, a week into the year. Don't panic. Don't panic, he said. It's only game eight. Come back to me after 30 or 40. In that period, Jazz has really heated up. Power is still there, but it's defense. It is also, you know, he's dropping bunts. Jess Chisholm Jr. really starting to look like a leadoff hitter there now. How impressive have you been with him? Yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. And it's only been incredible for the past week. He was off to a slow start, maybe the past week and a half now. He's been playing a lot better. And, you know, I think I knew it was going to take some time. I was one of those guys who was not doubting him as much as some other fans were uh, about center field. You know, I got worried during spring training. But for the most part, I was telling my friends who were surprised. They're like, why are the Marlins switching him to center field who are not Marlins fans? They're fans of some big market teams like the like a Yankees fan, a Braves fan. Yeah. And I told them he'll be okay. And they're like, no, why are they switching him? He should be playing his natural he he should be playing his natural position over at yeah. second base. And I knew he would be just fine. And it would take some time. But now he's developed into a great center fielder and mm. one of the best in the National League right now, I think. Yeah. And uh I mean he has not made a bad play since the beginning of the season, from what I've seen. Maybe one uh little mistake here and there, but uh other than that, he's been incredible. And now that he's pretty adjusted to center field, his main focus is now hitting, and he's turning it on with the bats. Right now, his yep. uh, batting average is now at actually 252. It's gone up. And five homers. And uh, the OPS Plus is now at 103, which is just three above average. But with that slow start, it's looking better for Jazz, and it'll only go up from here. Yeah, for sure. Three hit day yesterday for Jazz. At one point, he was three for three with a, a hit by pitch as well, I believe. Yeah. Um. So big day for Jazz. He's you know, really just really heating up. Just talk to him about the center field situation because I do think it's it's going to be an interesting storyline as we go through the year. I think what we have seen and what our eyeballs are telling us and what all the statistics are telling us is Jazz can play center field. He's making it work and he's looking good out there. The question is, is midterm, i.e. as you look into next year and beyond, is this going to be Jazz's position? Is he going to transition fully into a, a center fielder now for a good portion of his career? What's what, what's your take on that? Maybe too early to say, and it may do, but you know, for me, you know, he's out there looking like a stud center fielder, and actually, let's just stick with it. Yeah, I think there's no reason not to stick with it. I mean, he hasn't played second base in a while. He didn't play any spring training games at second base. I don't even think he played second base in any uh, simulated games on the backfields in spring training as well. And, you know, at the very beginning of the season, we saw him getting some practice in over at the middle infield before the game. And then he started, uh, after that, he kind of started to really settle in in center field. But, uh, 
yeah, I think Jazz should be our center fielder for years to come because now yep. that you've already developed him into a good center fielder, he's gotten so much time out there. There's no reason to stop this. And there's at this point, there's not a ton of better options than Jazz Chisholm that are clearly better to get defensively. I mean, Ramon Laureano will always be an afterthought as he's been rumored to go to the Marlins for you know the past couple of years now. And it's yep. just never happened. He's still over there in Oakland. He still has a incredible arm he probably has the best uh arm out of any center fielder but jazz is not too far behind him because he makes incredible catches and he gets an incredible jump on some balls yeah he really does really does he's, he's really settled in there at center field which has been interesting and, and great to see obviously um let's talk about uh, jesus sanchez because jesus as well multi-hit day yes in there as well uh the pressure's on jesus we know right because it's been a slow start for him it's been a tough 2022 um, but for me, he's and he hit a huge home run as well the other day in, in, in one of the previous games in the series. So, you know, Jesus Sanchez, he's the stick that the Marlins have needed, right? This lefty power stick. And it's been encouraging what I've seen. What's Where's your head? Jesus Sanchez more? Yeah, I mean, Jesus Sanchez, he's been hitting better and he was off to a terrible start with the batting average at one point, I think, was at uh, below 150. He's gotten it up now. It's at 214. Obviously, that was in a small sample size because they didn't really give him a ton of at-bats at the uh, beginning of the season. And now they're starting to give him his at-bats to show what he's got before uh, because he is in consideration to get DFA'd. And for the last week, he's been playing well. He's uh, he has an on-base streak right now. I believe he's reaching he's reached base uh, safely for the past five games. There and go. yeah, the uh, and now his um his numbers are just below average instead of horrible. And it could at some point uh, in the near future, in the very near future, get to average and then even above average if he keeps playing like this. Now he has some motivation because he knows that the Marlins are close to uh, getting rid of him. So he wants to tell the Marlins, no, that's not going to happen. And I know uh, pretty soon in this podcast, before we wrap it up, we're probably going to talk about uh, who will come back mm-hmm. when Joey Wendell, I, I mean, who will get sent down once Joey Wendell comes back. Because yep. people thought it might be Jesus Sanchez, but now he might have saved himself in the past five games, and it all started with that mammoth home run in Atlanta. And that the morning before that game, I was reading an article about how bad he was by fish stripes by Eli Sussman and uh, his members, and then he hit that crazy homer. So maybe he got some motivation. Maybe he read that article himself with some translation. I don't know. <laughs> That's Jesus Sanchez in a nutshell, though, right? Where from time to time, he'll just... He'll just send one and you'll be like, wow, there it is. You know it's in there, but it's his game needs to be much more, much more well-rounded than that. I think that's the, the point for Jesus. Like it, it just can't be these wild hacks and he, he hits and connects one one out of 50. Um, but I was, you know, uh, in advance of this show, I was thinking Joey Wendell's kind of trending towards being ready to return. Um, the offense has been performing pretty well, I'd say, over the recent times, Garrett Hampson, I'd say has definitely been a valuable member of this roster. But as I look around, like if we think about what the corresponding move was, you know, Wendell went down, Hampson was, was recalled. Um, what's your, what's your sense at this point? Do you think, do you think they, they send Hampson back down or do they, do you think they find another way to get Wendell back up on this roster? Well, I mean, it's going to sting, but I think they don't have a choice, but to send Hampson down now that Jesus Sanchez have, has uh, saved himself. You have to kind of give him a little bit of a chance. You can't just DFA him once he starts to get hot. No. And uh, 
obviously, Avi, they're not ready to DFA him yet. If they do at one point, you know, that's mm. kind of quieted down this past week. Uh, after not in the lineup today. Uh, did you see two games in a row, Avi not in the lineup, obviously a lefty going. So yeah, it, curious decision with Hamilton playing right field, I thought today. Yeah, that's interesting, and that's kind of weird, but I don't think yeah. they're going to get rid of Avi just yet. Maybe they will surprise us, and they will. But uh, it would be a huge surprise if they do because we know the Marlins have been uh, pretty cautious with Avi and they've given him the chance. He, they've given him a fair chance to show what he's got and uh, he's, what he's got and he's, what he's able to do. But, you know, you don't want to be too aggressive to get rid of him with that huge contract. But, yeah, I think there's no other option than Garrett Hampson. And the worst hitters now that some guys are starting to heat up, I think the worst hitters on this team this season have been Nick Fortes, who has just been quietly, has not been doing anything offensively. Hmm. If we look at his numbers, he's hitting 188 with one home run, just nine hits. And uh, the OPS plus is at a horrible 39. Yep. And then Jacob Stallings has not been any better than Nick Fortes. He is hitting 136, so he's been the worst hitter. Uh, only six hits and way more at-bats than Nick Fortes. So, yeah, he's been way worse than Fortes and a 20 OPS plus. But you can't get rid of those guys, obviously, because they are pretty valuable defensively. They are uh, pretty good defensive catchers. And Stallings has that great uh, relationship with Sandy being his yep. personal catcher. And uh, Fortes, you know, he's still young. He's still just off to a bad start. You know, maybe he could get it going. Yeah, I must say, uh, just on Jacob Stallings, I thought yesterday, uh, the, the Saturday game, it was one of the best performances I've seen behind the plate from Jacob Stallings in all of his time with the Marlins. There was so much pressure on, and the bullpen guys were really, really struggling, as was Eddie Cabrera as well with his command. But he was asked to do so much yesterday defensively. He must have used that chest protector about 55 times to block down balls. So Stallings, um, you know, I'm okay with the catching spot not being, you know, the best offensively. I'd like to see Nick Fortes' numbers tick up. But overall, I think it's, you know, defense first in that spot. Um, but for yeah. me, I'd, it, it's been, you know, we'll, we'll finish up here because we're we're running pretty long. But, you know, it's uh, there's tons to get into. For me, it's been curious to see the, 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 the you know, the flip side of De La Cruz, where he had this real hot streak, uh, was showing signs of De La Cruz from September, and then in the last couple of games, it's been, you know, ice cold from De La Cruz. He slides all the way down the order today. I think he's hitting maybe in the eights. De La Cruz, he, he's always been streaky, and I think this is just part of his makeup, right? Yeah, I mean, DLC and Jorge Soler have not been good uh Recent, recently, I just saw a tweet about Jorge Soler's struggles in the past like 10 games. Mm. And uh, yesterday, I was uh, researching for my uh, article to recap the game yesterday on Substack. You can go check that out. My, stub my Substack is ryanslesinger.com slash Substack.com. And uh, it yeah, Jorge Soler in his last 10 games, a 171 batting average, a 42 WRC+. plus. So after getting off to a hot start and getting clutch hits, he has not been good, and he left seven guys on base yesterday. And same with De La Cruz. He left seven men on uh, in the game yesterday. Hopefully, you know, this is just a little uh, cold stretch, and hopefully this doesn't turn into a huge slump. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I get the feeling. I, I think today's a really good example where that. Not sure what's happening with Avi. I I'm wondering if there's some sort of um, issue with Avi um, in terms of injury because it it's weird to see Gam uh, Garrett Hampson out there in right field 
after Avi didn't play yesterday either. So I'm, I'm wondering about that. Jorge Soler has obviously played some right field this year. He then hasn't slid out to right field. So Hampson has. I, I'm wondering if if Soler is already being bothered with this back, you know, this reoccurring back issue that, you know, I heard it earlier in the year, even on his hot streak, they were talking about Soler's back already starting to, um, you know, starting to feel that. I am wondering if this this situation is something that we all need to keep an eye on, really, as it maybe deteriorates. Like, ideally, Soler would be playing out in right field today. He isn't. Hampson's out there. I have no idea where Abby Garcia is. So I think there's a few kind of guys a touch banged up here. Um, but again, it, it points to the, the the versatility of Garrett Hampson, the value that brings. He really is John Birdie 2.0. He's been hitting okay. Uh, big double yesterday in yesterday's game. So... Some decisions to make here for the Marlins overall, but we'd love to see Soler pick it back up. De La Cruz, uh, as we know, can be streaky. But overall, one well, one final one. The Braves are coming to Miami this week. They have been heavily interrupted this weekend. Basically, it's been raining nonstop in New York. Um, the Braves are coming into town. Three games set. Um, I think it would be it would be you know, real confidence boost for this Marlins team if they could actually win that series at home against the Braves after what was in effect, a bit of a beatdown on the road in Atlanta. But how do you see that series going overall? Yeah, well, on Monday, the Marlins have an off day, and the Braves will be in Queens to yeah. play the Mets uh, in a doubleheader. Double yeah. So, the, we know the Braves are going to come in late that night, and they're going to be tired after a doubleheader, and they're going to have to play the Marlins the next day at 6.40 Eastern time. It'll be Sandy Alcantara against Bryce Elder. That's a matchup that... You know, the Marlins should win. Bryce Elder has good numbers, but, you know, he's hittable. And yep. if Sandy has his good stuff, which you hope, or at least you hope every outing he has his A-plus stuff, but at minimum you hope he has at least his A-minus stuff to keep the Marlins in the game. And, uh, you know, I have confidence in Sandy. He's still a great pitcher. He's still our A's. He's still the reigning Cy Young. And then Wednesday, it's going to be Kyle Wright against To Be Determined. Uh, uh, Kyle Wright does not have good numbers this season. That's mm. a winnable game for us. Should be Jesus Legato, I think, in the second game. Yeah, and then it'll be Max Freed, uh, who has a 0.45 ERA this season. He's been really good. He's the Braves' best guy in that rotation, and he's been uh, the leader of that rotation for the past few years, along with the veteran, you know, Charlie Morton, and yeah. now Spencer Strider t coming into that leader role now as he uh, develops. He's probably now their best pitcher uh, skill-wise in that rotation. And, yeah, Freed will face the Marlins. This is a series, I think, the Marlins at best. They could win two of three. You just hope not to get sweep, though. Yeah, I think so. If it's going to be an interesting series, I, I, I do think the rain situation has helped the Marlins a touch. I think if if it if they'd have played on schedule, Spencer Strider would have been pitching against yeah. the Marlins. But he's been pushed back, I think. So the Marlins missed Strider. We saw Strider and... Boy, oh boy, it was um, mighty impressive stuff from him. Um, we are bang out of time, though. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me on today's Locked on Marlins. Um, let everyone know, for the people that are listening and aren't watching and have the graphics to help them, where they can follow you on Twitter and all the other content that you're doing at this point. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at R-Y-A-N for Ryan and then at S-C-H-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-9. Ryan Schlesen G. Ryan Schlesinger, but instead of the, I know I made it a weird username because I was like the automated username when I made my account two years ago, but it's <laughs> Ryan Schlesinger and then replace the R at the end with a nine. And then you can also check me out on Substack and you can check me out on YouTube. So flow sports. I stream some Marlins games. I do some podcast talk shows and uh, yeah, 
thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Peter, for having me on. Let's go. Let's go fish. All right, guys. Well, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. This should be your first listen. This podcast is out early doors, but you may watch the game first and then listen to the podcast. If you do into this with the Marlins having made their first sweep of the season, all eyes on Brian Hoeing. Can he make it happen for the Marlins? And going into the off day, Atlanta coming into town off the back of that doubleheader. The Marlins should be hot favorites for that series at home. I'll see you tomorrow.